0: Since the founding of St. Augustine, Florida by Spanish colonists in 1565 and the establishment of the first English settlement in Jamestown, Virginia in 1607, America has always been viewed as the land of opportunity. Economic opportunity, political freedom, and religious freedom were the initial draw to come to the United States. But in the 20th century, immigration was stimulated by globalization. Now, in the 21st century, there is a completely different reason that people still want to come to the U.S. And if you want to find out this reason, then listen to this episode called Climate Migration Has Begun. Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back everyone to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 59, which is called Climate Migration Has Begun. Now, this episode is sort of a follow-up on one of my previous episodes about some of the unexpected changes that we are now seeing because of the warming of our planet. So I really hope that you will enjoy this episode because I really came across some very fascinating information. So let's get started. If you look at the early history of the United States, you will find that literally millions of immigrants left their own homes to find something that was not ready available in their own country. And that was simply the opportunity to find prosperous work and succeed economically. And additionally, many people sought to escape political and religious persecution. And it was these early immigrants that formed the original 13 colonies. And it was these immigrants that fought in the American Revolution in order to defend their new homeland. But if you look forward to the 20th century, a lot of the draw to come to the U.S. was actually the result of globalization, especially later in the 20th century. And as a result of this globalization, international travel and banking had become simpler and major advances in technology, transportation, communications, and media has indeed turned our world into a very small place. But this globalization has also created a more disparate difference between developed and undeveloped nations, and many developing nations still struggle with the simple ability to provide a stable economy. And consequently, it is difficult for families there to sustain sufficient capital to care for themselves and have a decent quality of life. And with the availability of modern technology, It offers people the ability to view what life is like in another country and the end result is that it creates what I call compare and despair. Consequently, the United States is once again viewed as the land of opportunity and certainly we have taken advantage of that by maintaining an enormous migrant workforce that comes here for seasonal jobs in order to send money home to their families. And additionally, in many countries throughout the world, oppression, brutality, torture, civil rights abuses, and even killing of civilians is unfortunately commonplace. People fear for their health and safety and they flee their own country and want to enter the United States. And what we have seen most recently is large groups of immigrants from Latin America walking toward the border. But in the 21st century, I think we will see a completely different reason for people wanting to come to the United States. Now I know that there is a lot of differing opinions on immigration, which of course creates a lot of controversy. But in fact, one of our most recent presidents started building a wall between the United States and Mexico. But I truly think we are going to have to change some of our policies simply out of necessity. And the reason for this will be climate migration. Now before we get started here with all of the interesting things that I found, I just want to be clear on one thing. I am going to use the term climate migrant, but you should know this is not a term that is used in any sort of official government policy, nor is it used in the realm of academia. But Climate migrants are those that leave their homes or home countries due to environmental stressors such as droughts, heavy flooding, severe storms, changing rainfall patterns, or even rising sea levels. So such factors make their homes uninhabitable, and thus they feel pressure to leave their homes behind. Presently, this is seen most frequently in countries that are often the poorest and most vulnerable, and these countries often have very little ability to adapt. They are located in particularly vulnerable geographic locations, or they simply have a more fragile ecosystem. And additionally, as was seen with many Latin Americans walking toward the US border, it is often the poorest and most vulnerable people who lack the needed resources to leave their home country and go abroad. But the bottom line is, when you combine climate stressors with environmental, economic, social and even physical vulnerabilities and threats. The end result is a degradation of food, water, and economic security. And this in turn results in the loss of any sort of income, potentially a weakened government structure, political instability, and even conflict. And like it or not, climate migration is already happening. Presently it is estimated that globally nearly 30 million people annually are displaced from their homes due to extreme weather events and conflict. And furthermore, at this time about 1% of our planet is essentially uninhabitable due to extreme heat. It is estimated that by the year 2070 that will increase to nearly 19%. And what most people don't really realize is that for much of human history, people have lived in areas where food was abundant due to a surprisingly narrow range of temperatures. But according to a study that was published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, our planet may see an increase in temperature in the next 50 years that is greater than any seen in the last six thousand years. Even the World Bank points out the fact that unless urgent action is taken, by the year 2050 more than 140 million people in Sub-Saharan Africa, South Asia, and Latin America may be migrating to other areas of their own country and even abroad due to decreased crop productivity, a shortage of water, and rising sea levels. So, for example, in North Africa, it is estimated that 65 percent of the farmable land has already been degraded. The combined effects of incredible population growth and extreme drought has resulted in the deaths of over 100,000 people. And the story is similar in South Asia. Nearly 8.5 million people have already left. Furthermore, climate scientists are now realizing that their own predictions for future population displacement due to rising sea levels have been grossly underestimated. But you know, we sit in our nice comfortable homes in our country and we hear about these things and we see these things on the news and we're completely disconnected to it, and we think perhaps we are immune to it. So I realize at this point much of what I have focused on, or focused my attention on, is what's going on in other countries, but don't think for a minute that the United States is at all immune to what is happening. In previous episodes, I've already talked about how two of the largest man-made reservoirs in the western United States or drying up. That being Lake Mead and Lake Powell. This drainage system actually supplies water to approximately 40 million people and that does not take into account the ranchers, farmers, and other food producers that are affected due to as much as 90 percent of the western United States being under drought conditions. And the state of California of course Has seen more than its fair share of challenging situations. They've basically been experiencing a five-year drought with forests and grasslands turning into nothing more than a giant tinderbox. Numerous fires have been sparked by electrical storms as well as other risks and at one point California gas and electric shut down the power grid as a preventative measure. And additionally, a temperature of 130 degrees Fahrenheit was recorded in Death Valley and with the hottest temperature ever recorded being 134 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 56.7 degrees Celsius. And at times, as many as 900 fires have forced over 100 people from their homes. Meanwhile on the other end of the country in August of 1992 Hurricane Andrew reduced parts of Florida to nothing more than a giant landfill. Insurance companies paid out $16 billion in claims and many of these companies saw the likelihood of this happening again and completely left the state. But the problem with Americans is that we do not respond to climate threats like most people in the rest of the world would. It is a very natural part of life in rural areas of undeveloped countries. If people face drought conditions and crop failures, they simply move somewhere else that is more stable and resilient. So with no money to really solve the problem, often migration is simply a question of survival. By comparison, at least so far, Americans are somewhat insulated against many of the challenges due to climate change. We are tremendously separated from the very infrastructure that keeps us alive, while the average person in Kenya looks at their dry well and sees dehydration and possibly death. As Americans, we live in a culture that thinks every problem can be solved by money or technology. Consequently, as the water supply for over 40 million people in the American West has slowly declined over the last 33 years, the population of Nevada has doubled and 1.5 million more people have moved to Phoenix. Meanwhile, as Florida has become an outstanding example, of the threat of rising sea levels, more than five million additional people have moved into the state, resulting in a historic boom in building and real estate. And this sense that money and technology can overcome anything has done nothing but fuel even more reckless development. And furthermore, people think if that is not enough, we can always depend on the government. Meanwhile, we are already poised to see how climate change will continue to produce a surge of disasters that sooner or later will make us realize that the climate is changing the rules of engagement. As people in rural areas are likely to be the most affected by climate change, many of them will migrate to the city In 1950, less than 65% of Americans lived in the cities and it is projected that by 2050 only 10% of Americans will live in rural areas. And this has the possibility of producing such rapid and chaotic urbanization that it will push any city to the capacity to provide even basic services. Unemployment will most likely escalate and competition for services will certainly increase, both of which will do nothing but fuel the widening gap between the rich and the poor. And if the drought in the American West is not enough, the federal government projects that extreme water shortages will become ubiquitous west of the Missouri. And additionally, the Memphis Sands Aquifer, which is a critical water supply for Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Louisiana, is overdrawn by hundreds of millions of gallons every day. And furthermore, the Ogallala Aquifer, which supplies almost 30% of our irrigation groundwater, will likely be depleted by the end of the century. Now I know that this sounds like a pretty stark reality, but this is in a way sort of a wake up call. And the good news is that nearly half of Americans now think that climate should be a top political priority and 75% of us believe that climate change is indeed at the crisis level. But the big question is where will all of these people go? Now, I know that migration into the United States or immigration into the United States is a hotly debated topic, and obviously our former president was against it as he was dead set on building a wall between the United States and Mexico, but sooner or later our own government will be faced with a dilemma of deciding which communities to try and save and which ones will be abandoned. Similarly, we will have to make a collective decision about our immigration policies. And contrary to beliefs of our former president, climate migration could bring great opportunity. But the bottom line is that we are going to have to make a choice. Nations in more northern latitudes can allow climate migrants to cross their borders Or they can close their borders and literally trap hundreds of millions of people in places that are increasingly unlivable. But we have the ability to provide relief from such a crisis as more and more people look to the United States as the land of opportunity. But such a move will not only require a huge measure of goodwill but also extremely careful political management, as well as an enormous amount of preparation and planning. Unfortunately, the potential alternative, as the United Nations and other organizations warn, is to sit and watch the governments in these countries most severely affected essentially dissolve into chaos and war. But it truly does not have to be that way and if you are a person that is strongly nationalistic and oppose such a migration into the United States I would beg you to look at this from a different perspective. It is projected that the numbers of Americans ages 65 and greater will more than double over the next 40 years and such a demographic shift will affect economic growth as well as patterns of work and retirement. And regardless of the reasons of people immigrating to the United States, this could actually be a great opportunity. Bringing new people into an aging workforce could actually be a boon for the economy. But we simply have to make a choice, because if countries decide to essentially close their borders we will produce nothing less than staggering human suffering. And there is no doubt that many political battles will be fought over this issue, but careful political management, early policy changes, and proper planning can lead to a drastically different future. Now, at the present moment, and this information comes directly out of a report produced at the White House, The United States does not consider its international human rights obligations to require extending international protection to individuals fleeing the impacts of climate change. But we could change some of our political policies and allow humanitarian visas, labor mobility and education programs, as well as other alternative pathways to permanent residency in the United States. If there was ever a time that we were provided with an obvious reminder that we live in a global and highly connected society, the COVID-19 pandemic has made that clear because obviously no country could tackle that problem on its own. And the pandemic clearly posed a challenge to our healthcare systems and our ability to work together as a community of nations. But what most do not realize is that the success of our efforts is closely linked to the health and welfare of even the most marginalized members of our society. And the same is true of our response to global climate change. Our successful response is linked to the health and well-being of even the most marginalized countries in our global community. In one of my recent episodes, I quoted something from the NASA website on climate change, and I will repeat that here. The effects of human-caused global warming are happening now, are irreversible on the timescale of people alive today, and will worsen in the decades to come. And what that means is that people are now on the move, And it will continue to happen. And we will even see this in our own backyard. But you know, most humans are amazingly inept at forethought and planning. And it always has to be a 911 situation before we will really be willing to do anything about it. But there is absolutely no doubt that we still have a great window of opportunity to produce a much different future for ourselves, as well as the people of other nations. And there is no doubt that climate migration will affect each and every one of us in some way. And if you remember from some of a couple of my previous episodes, I talked about the pillars of sustainability being economy, people, and environment. Well certainly the changing environment will no doubt affect our economy and it is already affecting millions of people around the world. But as with so many things in life that stress us, the outcome is more heavily weighted by your response. And it is our response that will make the difference in whether or not the United States continues to be the land of opportunity for all of our citizens as well as for those who will soon be knocking at our doors. Now I know, you know, I look back over the information presented in this episode and I know that it sounds like a really stark reality, but as I said before, this is kind of a wake-up call and we really truly have this window of opportunity right now to build a completely different future for ourselves as well as for the global community. And it really truly just has to do with the basic concepts of sustainability. Because the only way that we are going to survive the changes that are occurring so rapidly in our world is to live a more sustainable lifestyle and something that's a little bit more in tune with the environment. So, if you have enjoyed this episode, then please take the time to leave me with a review and subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my companion blog, Off-Grid Living News. And, as always, don't forget to take advantage of the resources that I have listed in the transcript of this episode because there is a tremendous amount of information there And you will probably learn a lot just as I did. But for now, folks, that is it for this week. This is the end of episode 59. I sure hope you have enjoyed this episode and will join me next week for my next exciting and informative episode on a completely different topic. This is your host, Patrick, signing off. Until next week, always remember to live sustainably, because this is how we build a better future.